the content is everything today. So whether that's YouTube, whether that's Instagram, whether that's micro content, whether it's on Twitter, the content is everywhere. And that's why I'm so gung ho on making sure that we get more out there and we create more because that's how you create a brand. You create a, create a band with content. You don't create a band sitting behind a desk. You create a job sitting behind a desk. But if you want a brand, you need to be packaging up things and putting them out into the world. Tweet Talk episode 117. Episode, my flip is moving forward. Don't, don't go nowhere. For sure. We on the dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Okay. Let's put the clip forward, man. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Tweet Talk. Blackwell Podcast with your hosts, Raphael and Charles. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TweetTalkPod. That's P-O-D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow my co-host, Charles, on Twitter at RealToddBillion. Here at TweetTalk, we talk about building black wealth and we break down financial tweets. Charles says the flip is flipping. Flip is flipping. Turo is touring. Vending machines are vending, and the flip is going well. What's the we progress? Really out here, man. Which part? The progress the on what? Flip. The progress on the flip, man. So it's so crazy. I, I think I told you guys the situation about how um, the contractor was telling me that they are waiting on windows, and there's like a 12 week wait on windows or a 16 wait on windows. That's always the story. It's gonna take forever for her to get these windows in. <laughs> so I hit up a successful investor in Michigan. And she's like, why don't you just go to Home Depot and get the windows? And then if they don't have um, that size, either you can custom order that particular size or you can fabricate the window so that they can fit it by putting extra wood and making it so that the frame can fit that window. And it was frustrating to me because I'm over here deferring to the contractors thinking that we have to wait and they'll just tell you anything just so like they can stall you out. Now, the problem with that is He's telling me that it's going to take 12 weeks to get these windows. The problem with that timeline, Raphael, is he also said, I can't work on any of this other stuff on the inside of this house while I'm waiting for the windows because you don't want the house to be exposed. Now, the whole project gets stalled back 12 weeks. We ended up finding all the windows like the very next day, if not the same day. I called him and we have not all of them, but about two thirds of the windows that we need. And we should be able to get the last few just over time. And so now they finished wrapping the entire outside of the house so that I can put siding on it. And so now it looks like a completely different house. So we bought this house. The outside was all weather beaten. The outside was discolored. It was an ugly house. Mm. It was ugly. But when they sent me the pictures of it wrapped, it didn't even look like that ugly house anymore. Once they covered up all the ugly stuff that was there, it looked way different. It's amazing what construction can do because now you would never know that that's what that was. And so now we went from being the ugliest house in the block to about to have the potential to be the best house on the block. And so we're about to do a solid siding job. We're going to, it's going to look really nice. We're going to make sure all the brick and everything is finished. We'll have all the windows in there. And then once the exterior is done, now we're rushing to get the inside done. So now I got to get the electrical put in. I got to get the plumbing put in. I got to get the HVAC put in. They were putting up all the, the drywall, the insulation. We're putting in 
Um, the bathroom, the kitchen, last thing you do is you put the flooring in and we call it a day and I will have successfully done a flip. It would not have been a cheap flip, but it would have been a flip nonetheless. But the experience that I'm gaining is invaluable because a lot of it is just getting over the fear of spending the money because mm. you're, you're, you're putting big bucks into this project and that's scary. And it has and like a lot of people who don't achieve success. It's not because they don't know what to do. It's because they don't have the balls to do it. And so you got to grow those balls by going through the process. The other is I'm realizing why a lot of real estate investors are so big on business credit, because I was like, man, I, I got called by Home Depot and I just made a credit card payment to Home Depot for this and put some money over there for that. And I'm like, I need some more business credit. Let me go ahead and apply for another credit card. So I applied for another credit card. I got a $15,000 credit card. So I was like, cool, I need that money. <laughs> and so now, because what I'm doing is I'm putting all the materials on the credit card. Because I don't want to spend any more cash on something that I can put on a credit card, even if it's just temporarily. And so I'm going to put as much material on the credit card as possible, get it in that house. Then once I sell the house, then I'll take care of all those balances. That's one way to look at it. Um, but also, I just don't want to be cash poor. So I don't. I have. I could do it all in cash, but I don't want to. I want to leverage credit to get it done and still have cash because you never know. Rafa, you get to the end. Now you got somebody saying, oh, you got to do this, dude. You got to do that, dude. I don't want those problems. Right. So it's just a good experience. And you, sometimes you don't even grow until you go through those experiences. Because what happens if you get these credit cards, these business credit cards, and you max them out? Let's say I max them out. The good thing is since they're business credit cards, they don't reflect my personal debt to income. But I max them out. And then when I sell this house, I pay them all off. Now my credit score is going to shoot up like crazy. Because they're going to see you took out a large amount of, of debt and then you paid it all off. And now your credit card shoots up. My credit score went down. I, it, it was at like a 720. It went down to like 650 because I had one credit card that went to 80% of the value. I mm -hmm. paid off that credit card and my score went from 720 to 760. And so it's like this game where like they want to see you put debt mm -hmm. on there, but they want to see you pay it off. Put it on, pay it off. Put it on, pay it off. Right. And so that's what I experienced. They want you in that cycle. They want you on the hamster wheel. Now, because I, I saw um, and the thing is, you saying the difference between the business and the, the, the personal is like with the business credit cards, you could run it up the utilization, like 80 percent, whatever. They don't really care about that. It's all about making payments with the business credit cards. As long as you're making the payments on time, you're good. Right. But um, and I, I was going to say this, mention this because you had a tweet where you said real estate will force you to get that business credit type. Right. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even on some like because see, this is this is why you got to be in the game. This is why I tell people that successful people are doers, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Um, it actually kind of it says be not hearers of the word only, but doers, something like that. But anyway, I didn't really push the business credit button until I was in it. And what does in it look like? Mm. In it means, in it means I already spent, I already bought the house, I already owned the house. And it means I already spent a bunch of money on, on this. And it means I'm still spending money. And it means like, I need some more money. <laughs> and so when you get to the point to where you're in a deal that has to get finished and you don't have all the money or you, whatever that might look like, now you're going to start tapping that business credit. And so you hear people like Juan Pablo and uh, Doug Depp, and they always talk about like business credit, business credit, business credit, business credit, or uh, J, JD buys houses. They're always big on business credit. You don't really realize how important it is until you're in a deal. Why? Because these deals go over budget. These contractors go over deadlines and the money got to come from somewhere. And so now you start tapping those business credit cards. Now you start looking for other sources of funding. And that's when you start getting creative. Interestingly enough, the bird 
I did. Yeah, I think I did. The burst strategy wasn't even like something that Brandon Turner created on a on a bright and shiny day. The burst strategy is what he created because he couldn't get out of the deal. He walked into a deal and he I don't think he was able to sell it. Like he did a flip, but for whatever reason, I think he might have walked, he might have flipped it into the top of the recession. He couldn't actually sell the property. So imagine I put all this money into a property and the loans come in due. And I'm like, bruh, the loan, this is a 12 month loan. What am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do. What he did is him and his dad refinanced the house. His dad stepped in and helped him refinance the house. The same thing that Wealthy G did when I was he was on my podcast is his dad came in and helped him get out of that deal. And when he realized that, he said, you know what? I just bought it. I rehabbed it. I put a tenant in there and I used the income from the tenant to get all the cash out. So imagine if I did that. And so it became a strategy. And so a lot of the strategies and a lot of the creativity don't come on the sidelines. They come when you're on the field. You're not going to find those creative and innovative and those huge home run things that are going to run your business up unless you're in business. Raphael, you're going to find the people I keep getting. Everybody wants one-on-ones for me now, but one-on-ones ain't going to be cheap. And so you don't even realize what people need until you start selling stuff. Then you start finding, oh, dang, they might need some fries with that. Oh, they might need a shake. Oh, they might need a shake or a a Sunday or whatever. And then you start finding complimentary things that help you make even more money. But then you're also doubling down on the quality of what you're producing. So we're always incrementally increasing the, the quality of our product. And so that's important because everybody wants to get it perfect from the outset and they don't want to just be like we, like I said, I don't do business for the money. I do business because we do business and that's just how I live life because I can't live a life where I let these people determine if I'm going to feed my family, if I'm going to be worth something because they're going to say no every time. I'm going to just be out here pissed and that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to not live well. So therefore I got to live well around them. Yeah, before we get more into that, I wanted to touch real quick on you're talking about how uh, you didn't want to be delayed 12, 12 weeks for some windows because partly then you they were saying that they couldn't do the interior work and stuff until they got the windows in. Now, I would say we should explain to the listeners, like uh, we got a lot of real estate people that listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure. But we got some people that, you know, they're beginners. They, they're looking to build the wealth. They're looking to get their first property and what's not. I think we should explain to them one of the big reasons why you don't want to wait 12 weeks to before you fit. Can you explain to the, the, the audience what carrying costs means? Oh, well, I don't really have carrying costs, but if I did, um, let's say you took out a mortgage. Like I forget who I was talking to when they had a mortgage and that mortgage was like interest only. So let's say they took out a $200,000 mortgage at 10% interest. They're looking at paying probably like $2,000 a month just in the mortgage. $2,000 a month just to hold that money because you have the money at use. Um, and then also, of course, you have to um, protect the property. So let's say you have, we did a flip once where we had to put these heavy security doors on there because we kept getting broken into during the rehab. Um, utilities, you had to pay for utilities. Insurance, if you have insurance, you got to pay for all that stuff. And so you're still incurring costs. But for me, the reason why I didn't want to delay is because I'm trying to move on to the next deal. And from my mental, my psychological aspect of it, I wouldn't feel comfortable moving on to another flip if I haven't even finished the first flip. I want to be able to, like, I can't manage multiple flips at once. This is my first time doing that type of a flip, Raphael. I've never mm-hmm. done a flip. And this one just happened to make sense. And so I was like, let's try it out. Let's let's swing the bat and I'm going to get fucked. But it's going to work out because we're going to build a bunch of value into this house. 
we go sell it for three hundred thousand dollars, and I'm end up making all my money back. And so, um, I would just say that I mean, part of it is carrying costs, but part of it for me is just I don't I don't want that money tied up because that's money that could be in other projects, and that's pretty much the gist of it for me. Yeah. Now you kind of touched on this um, a second ago, but this is a tweet that is the theme of tonight's show. You said entrepreneurship because motherfuckers never loved us. I was um I was walking, I forgot where I was, man. But I don't, I don't, I live in a, a very diverse area. And you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of like black dudes like me. So much so that they I think they kind of like be shocked when they see me. They're like, what the heck is this dude doing here? Uh they just be shocked. Everybody be shocked. Like, what the heck? Um <laughs> I don't know why that is, but anyway, um, I was having a conversation with my friend and he he made a comment that I, I've kind of believed for a while. People can take what they want to take with it. But he was saying that what he's seen in upper level level management, especially in banking where he works, is most of the leadership is female. Most of the leadership is actually Latina. And that's one of the things that I've seen in Southern California. When I was working in banking, most of the, like the, the regional manager and my branch manager was Latina and all the other managers in the other area were Latina. And I just I, I I realized some things that like they just didn't really want me there. Um, the entire branch was Hispanic and we were in a certain part of downtown L.A. where it was like the garment district. And so like most of the customers were, were Spanish speaking. Interestingly enough, I speak Spanish and the whole time there, I was just working on my Spanish, working on my Spanish, talking to them in Spanish, learning more Spanish, learning more terms in Spanish. They didn't care. And so I realized and, and people see the thing is this. I say the same thing that most people say. A lot of people will get on here and they say, oh, uh, there's systematic racism. And there's these systems that are holding us back. They don't want to pay us. And their response is they need to pay us and they need to stop being racist and they need to love us. My response is I got to build my own shit and pay myself. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So we're both saying the same thing. I don't disagree that there that racism exists. I disagree to your response to racism. I disagree that you shrink in the face of racism instead of growing in the face of racism. I choose to be better than racism as opposed to lying down and waiting for racism to kick my ass. And so like, that's what I do. And that's why I'm here. And that's why at 730, I'm still in this office because they ain't here. I got to work harder. I got to do more. And as a result, I'm going to get more. And so I realized they don't love us. They ain't ever loved us. If you statistically look at everything, they don't love us. Even the things that we think we have now, we're actually a step back. All the progress that we think we made was not progress. But the problem is people are so sold on the idea that actually progress was made, that they don't realize like, nah, bruh, we lost big time. We lost the war. I tell people in war, you watch the movie 300 or any other, any war movie, what happens? They spare the women and the children and they kill off all the men. In the black community, all the men were killed off and all the women are standing around talking about how they strong and independent and that they don't need no man. Like, no, you lost. We're losing. Just because you got a good job doesn't mean that you won. Because a good job ain't a win. 
And a lot of people have good jobs because they're safe. They're not a threat. When you are that dude, you are a threat to what they have because you rise up and you like dudes, specifically black dudes, they don't want your little little job. They want to be the man. And so they're always vying to be the man at the top and they don't want that. And so they shoot it down at the bottom. In 300, they would legit kill the men. I don't know if you saw in like the beginning, they would like take the little babies and punch them off. They're like, nah, we ain't having you rise up and be better than the king. And so I just say all that to say that I don't hold any ill will towards them. No resentment at all. I just choose to just be dope. And I realized that I wasn't going to get it from a job, especially not in Southern California. It just doesn't cater to that. Right. I was thinking today, man, it's funny. I don't know what made me think of it, but, you know, when when people get online and talk about entrepreneurship, we need black people need to build their own businesses and less than that. And then people come out the world work and say, you, you guys act like there's something wrong with having a job. Now me, myself, I have a, a regular job, but you act like there's something wrong with having a job, but you got to think about it. That's not the future for us, man. We got to provide our own job because having jobs is not really the, the answer for us because having us work for other people for the rest of our lives is not the answer. Like that's never going to work. Cause it's like, what you're saying is that you want black people to stay in second place. For, well, not even second place, but you want us to stay inferior forever. Cause that's what telling people to just be happy with just a job. That's what you're telling us in reality. got to think about that. I mean, keep the job cool. We'll build something else. And the future is in entrepreneurship for the race as a whole. Everybody might not start a business, but as a whole, that's what we need. And you say one way a job keeps your money low is thinking they're gatekeepers to your good ideas. Like approval is ghetto. I was, um, I forgot what I was um, looking at, but I think it was maybe like one of the courses that I created. And I was realizing how much money that one course has made me. And then I also realized all the different things, like everything that I've, I've created came from me. It was just an idea that I put out into the world. But when I used to work in different offices, all my ideas would get shot down. But after they shot them down, they would adopt them. They would just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this and do that. <laughs> and I started to realize, like, it's not a bad idea. They just don't want it coming from me. They don't want me to feel like I got ideas. Mm. And... I know I'm not the only person that's experienced this. I know probably all of us have experienced saying something in a meeting or saying something in general and it getting shot down and people saying that can't work. That's impossible. And that's why I kind of came with that mantra saying that the market determines what's viable. The market determines what can work. And I'm pretty sure I actually got that from Gary V is let the market figure out what works and what doesn't work. Not you, not in your brain, not your boss, not your grandma, not your mom, not your dad. Take that idea that you have that you think could work and launch it. Put it out there. And if it flops, it flops. I did something today where I told my mom, I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch a course for $9 today. I know it's crazy, but the sales are moving kind of slow on this. And I think about I packaged up a certain way. I marketed a certain way. I sell it for $9. I can have a good day today. And this is granted after I had a great weekend selling the Freedom Pack and um, getting that out there, but you have to kind of switch it up. You can't just sell the, I mean, you can, but I don't like to just sell the same thing over and over again. I like to say, okay, let me give that one a break so I can go ahead and mark my face off with this one. So what can I think of? And so now, since I'm spending way more time in the office, I'm just applying my brain to these different ideas. And so the first one is, all right, well, Monday is going to be Millionaire Monday. All right, Tuesday is going to be Turo Tuesday. W is going to be Real Estate Wednesday or something along those lines. And then Thursday might be, um, I don't know, it might be Tweet Talk Thursday. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking of different things, but it's just me thinking and trying and putting it out to the market. Now, the great thing about it is in business, you get paid to learn. And so I made money today just to see if the content was viable. But what's going to happen is as I sell this, people are going to get reviews. They're going to give me testimonials. And then that's going to pick up and I can start putting my foot on that and I can start recreating the content in there. But I didn't have this freedom when I had to get all my ideas vetted by just some old dude who's out of touch, who has no idea what social media is. Social media is the present. Everything that we're doing now is what's hot. The podcasting. I was sitting here thinking that I'm literally a podcaster for a living. That's what I do for a living now. I podcast. I got a podcast studio. I got a podcast we do all every single day. I podcast for a living. Now, let's make sure that this podcast is monetizing and creating value. Who would have thought that you could be a podcaster for a living? Nobody. But the crazy part about this stuff is people always ask me, like, well, what do you do? And if I told them that I sold courses, they'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of lame. Like it wouldn't really get much respect because people only really respect what they've already seen. So you're like, I'm an architect. I'm a lawyer. But the problem is a lot of those places are blocked. They get in the door and they start pulling up the ladder. So you got to find your own new door. Podcasting is that door. Uh, Social media is that door because I should have been past the bar. Did you know that the bar was put in place because there's too many black folks getting through uh, to the to be lawyers. They didn't used to be a bar. They just didn't like that all these black folks were becoming lawyers, and so they created the bar. So why do you think? I honestly, Raphael, in, in my law school career, I know so many black men who haven't passed that bar, and I think it's by design. I know so many people who haven't passed that, and it's, I know so many black dudes who have not passed that bar. Almost all my black male friends have not passed the bar. They spend all that money and time on law school. They have not passed the bar. I don't, I probably know one or two, one or two, most of them did not pass, even though they got through law school. So they still get, they still get the money, still put you in debt and, and still get to keep you out. Yeah. Yeah. Some crazy stuff, but you know, the cool thing is, and I was thinking about this today is like, despite all that law school made me a beast. Law school is the reason why I don't really see nothing but work. Because in law school, it's Monday through Sunday, work, 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 work from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. And that's just how I operate now. I don't do too much chilling unless it's on some some going to a Charger game. But like, that's just my life. And I like it. Yeah, you had a tweet where you said, I don't win because it's easy. I win because I never stop and I never quit. So yeah, you, attri- you attribute that to uh, law school? Okay. Um, I don't know that I attribute that to law school. I think I attribute that to how I was raised. Um, I was never raised to quit. That's why I made it through when I was pledging online. Uh, when I was pledging, <clears throat> I was the rock of my line. And people don't really like to say this too much because everybody on the line thinks they're the rock, but I was the rock. What does it mean to be the rock? It means that you are the person that held it all together. It means you're the person who was able to endure the most pain. It means you're the person that was like a leader online. And I was that. Even, even though my organization is non-pledging, non-hazing, I was that rock. Why? Because I understand what was going on mentally. I understood that they can't kill us. So anything they're going to put us through is not going to kill us. But if you don't go through the stuff that they're putting you through, you're going to lose respect and you're not going to be able to um, uh, make it through this process easy. So it's like the more that you participate in, the, the least hard they are on you, if that makes sense. It's kind of like they back off on you if if you pop out and you do what you're supposed to do. So I just even with pledging, it was hard, but I just never quit. I just continue to show up with the truck. I never quit. I just continue to show up with law school. I never quit. I know I just continue to show up when I went to law school. I started for the first year and I just put a bunch on my plate. I was working a full time job and I was in law school. It was the most 
ridiculous point in my life. I was working a full-time job, going to school, knowing I had to know all these cases. It was just nerve wracking. I was so nervous all the time because I wasn't like everybody else who sat there and read those cases all day and then went to class and had to regurgitate the, 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 cl- the case. So anyway, <clears throat> I took a year off of law school because they actually almost kicked me out, Raphael. My first year of law school, I was hanging on by like 0.01 on the GPA. My first semester of law school, I got put on academic probations. My grades was terrible. And then uh, it's right there. And then um, the second semester of law school. So the lady, like my grades start coming through. And I knew like if I didn't get the right grade, it was going to be bad. And um, first grade, not so good. Second grade, not so good. That third grade came in. It was just enough. You had mm-hmm. to have, you can't have two back-to-back quarters of academic probation. After you, if you don't get off at that first, that second quarter, they kick you out, Raphael. A lot of people get kicked out of law school after their first year. It's just how it goes. Like, that's mm-hmm. the way it goes. I didn't know this until I was in there. I thought getting into law school was the one like, no, the first year is make or break. And so maybe half of the people stay in law school that after that first semester, of that first year. And so I was like, bro, that was too much. Um, and then also like I owed him some money too. And I didn't have the money at that time. And so I was like, let me take a year off, get my mind right. And you know, when you take a year off, you don't ever know if you're going to go back because uh, it's just like, that could just be a reason to quit. It's like, I'm going to quit now. And so I took a year off. I was working at a firm. I was working on my legal writing and I started studying to get back into school. And then I also made a bunch of money in the stock market. So I was able to use that stock market money to pay them the money that I owed them. So that was a good thing. And so um, I got back into law school and I finished. I just never quit grad school. I'm going to finish grad school. I just I don't quit on stuff. And so I look at things like the flip and, you know, it's not a fun process and I get frustrated. But you know what I do? I put one foot in front of the other and we gonna get it done. And pretty soon we're going to have a house that's, that's fired and I will have done it. And it just is what it is. And I think that that is the mentality of a winner. A lot of people are looking for it to be easy. That's what they're always asking for. Like, what's the easiest way to do this? What's the fastest way to do this? What's the best way to do this? The answer is just to do the work, fam. Fall in love with the work. Fall in love with the process. Fall in love with doing it and you'll get what you want. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. They say, like, you just got to show up. You got to show up every day. It's funny, man, when you're you going through stuff and they say, like, if, you, if you're if already going through hell, why would you stop? Like, keep going. Mm-hmm. It's like, because so many times you, you quit something and then you realize how close you were to it, man. Mm-hmm. You want to just, like, kill yourself, man. Like, damn, it was this close. You just got to keep. It's a mental. Everything is just mental, man. One foot in front of the other. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, man. And the things you don't have to get there fast. You just got to get there. Like, mm-hmm. That's what you got to remember, man. You can't, you can't look at who's passing you by because the people that pass you by, some of those people are going to quit. And it's not your, it's not your problem if they get there before you, you just want to get there. You don't care. It don't matter if the, your, your neighbor gets to a million first. There's another million out there for you too, man. You just got to get there when you get there. But you had I, w- I would say I would mm-hmm. say that that's a big part of the reason why I, st- I stopped quitting at things when I was younger. 
I would see that how you do something and you quit and then you see how close you were first. You see how close you were to the end. You see how good it would have felt if you didn't quit. But then, you know, what's really bad is when you quit and then you decide that you still want to do it. You got to start all the way over from the beginning. Mm. So everything that you did until you quit, you got to do twice. That's another reason why I don't quit, because if I want the goal, I don't want to have to do the process twice. If you don't want to do it once, why would you want to do it twice? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Starting over is damn. Damn. It's like if I had just kept going, I won't be wasting all this time. Now you said there's a lot of value in content. What do you mean by that? I meant that. And what I really wanted to say is a lot of older people don't realize how valuable content is. So my mom came to the office today and I was like, we got to shoot some content. We got to get some content out there. And she was like, oh, I got to make some phone calls. I got to organize this paperwork and I got to do all these different things. And I was like, that's old school. Like new school is let's get some content on the Internet. And so we finally got a chance to record something. But she kind of took that lightly. But like content grows your brand exponentially. Content gets you in places where you can't be. Content will have, I just did an Instagram live with somebody. I don't even know where she's from, but I guarantee she ain't from Ontario, California. I guarantee you that. And I guarantee her followers are from Ontario, California. I guarantee you that the people who just send me emails, I just got an email from somebody who's in New York. They're talking about, they're trying to start their trail business. They want to get a one-on-one. That came from some content. The content is everything today. So whether that's YouTube, whether that's Instagram, whether that's micro content, whether it's on Twitter, the content is everywhere. And that's why I'm so gung-ho on making sure that we get more out there and we create more because that's how you create a brand. You create a, create a band with content. You don't create a band sitting behind a desk. You create a job sitting behind a desk. But if you want a brand, you need to be packaging up things and putting them out into the world. And by doing so, that's going to allow your brand to make money. You drop the links in there. You add value in there. If you watch, um, there's a company called The Gentleman Timepiece. And the reason why I know of them is because they have this day in the life series, but that's where Taeyeon Tech bought his watch, his uh, Audemars Piguet, Piguet. I think that's how you pronounce it. But like the reason why their brand is so popular is because they have content. Content makes you exist. It really does. And so if you don't put, that's why you see me putting out so much content because I need to exist. The only thing that I slowed down on, which I need to get back on, is sending out those sponsor posts and getting them on other pages. That's the only thing I need to do. And that's holding me back. But Instagram is so different now, like the algorithm, like you don't even really see stuff anymore. It's just so weird. Like, I don't know. I don't even think sponsor posts would maybe get that much bang, but maybe I had to try it out again and see. But uh, that's all I would say is that if you had like even these episodes, like every single episode, Raphael, every single time you talk is content. Every single time. I don't even try to find the bar of all bars on the show anymore. Everything we say is a bar. Everything we say should be turned into some content. Everything is a bar. I like that. The thing is, um, now I came from, I'm a little older, so I came from like the um, the blogging era. Before a podcast blew up, now there's a website called Copy Blogger. It's still around. And they used to talk but way back. They used to say content is king. Content is king. Content is king. And it's like, that's how you build your authority, putting out content, putting out content. When somebody goes to your website or you go to your podcast, what what's the first thing that imp- that impresses them that you have a bunch of content before they start listening? It was like, whoa! When somebody asks us, "Oh, how many episodes y'all in?" and I said we um a hundred and something, they're like, "Whoa!" So y'all been doing this for a minute. They impressed, and Google's impressed because you learn like from blogging that 
Google's impressed. The more you, you blog every day or whatever, Google picks it up. They start thinking you're authority before they even, just off the fact that you have content. And then you build like a web, like, when you have co- more content, people dive into one episode or one article and they like it, then they say, okay, what else they got? And what else they got? What else they got? And you just bring them in deeper and deeper into your, your universe, man. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they say, what, you got to touch people seven times before they buy something from you? That's the content. You know, it don't have to be seven ads. Just seven pieces of content. Then you could ask for the sale. You got a much better chance. Content, content, content. And then, Slicing it up different ways, using the same content in different places. Now, what's funny, you said uh, Twitter, the place where people who can't afford things tell people they can't afford things. It's so funny when I I, I want to say that that tweet was in response to somebody saying that if you had to buy like a dollar store pregnancy test, you probably aren't ready to have a child. Yeah, you can't and afford a child. Something like that. It just reminded me of the that video of the girl saying like, man, y'all broke. Everybody on here is broke. And you close to you, like you a paycheck away from being broke. You a major disease away from being broke. And I just, I want us as a community to stop doing that stuff on the timeline. Everybody's so quick to count somebody else's pockets or try to stun on them or try to front on them and, and try to big boy them when a lot of folks just really ain't got it. And I think it's it's just not good energy. It's not energy that you put in a place where you go on and like, like if I do it, I'm joking. And maybe he was joking, mm-hmm. but I just, it's just funny because it reminds me of the statement where you have to be rope, you have to be rich to, to date a broke chick. So it's like everybody on here is proclaiming to be rich and everybody ain't got it. And so that's all I was saying is like Twitter is just like this fake meta universe. I think that we live in the metaverse already. Because mm. if you watch Ready Player One, essentially it allows like the the appeal of the metaverse is you get to create the person that you want to be. And on social media, that's what a lot of people have done. They've created the person they want to be. They want to be confident. They pretend to be confident. They want to be fine. They pretend to be fine. They want to be smart. They pretend to be smart. They want to be all these different things. They can pretend to be that. And maybe that's just the way the world is going. Um but we already live in the metaverse. Instagram is the metaverse. Twitter is the metaverse. It's just not all in one. You can't go there like virtually. Mm. So pretty soon it'd be this whole big virtual fake place. And we just be out here ready player one in it. Really cool movie. At first I kind of watched, I watched like the second half and I didn't really understand what was going on because in the beginning, they actually talk about like the world that he created. It's a show like the creator and it's all about, it's all about like just that whole thing, how he left the clues and all that stuff. So at first I had no idea what I was reading or watching. And then I watched it all over from beginning to end. I was like, this is dope, man. And then you start seeing how like different people are playing different people. So you have like this little kid who's like a ninja and you have like this other person who is pretending to be like a dude or something like that. And so it's just interesting stuff. And that's kind of what it is now. I mean, think about it. You have people who were just like, I, I choose my gender. I choose yeah. my race. And so it's like, if that's what you want to do, if you think the world is better that way, then meta, metaverse it up, man. That's interesting. I got to rewatch that movie because it didn't really leave a big impression on me. I thought it was cool, but I got to rewatch it. Especially now with the whole, all the talk of the metaverse is a whole new like emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. We are living in the metaverse. I was thinking the other day, man, all the stuff we've been watching in movies is coming true sooner. Like for a long time, it's like, man, all this. I was thinking people are thinking like all the stuff that we've seen in these movies 
it ain't here yet. It's already 2020, whatever. It's like past 2000. And now it's like a lot of this stuff is coming at us fast, man. Yeah. Like we just had Michael Strahan, an ex football player. Now he's a journalist, go to space, like fly out to space. Like people are just flying, regular people are just flying out to space now. What is going on? People are buying real estate for tens, thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in virtual reality. Yeah, that I don't understand. I think that's fake. I mean, all the cryptocurrency, all this stuff is just like, this is just sci-fi movies coming to real life now. Mm. So I was like, and you know, a lot of people are saying like, black folks, we need to jump on this. We need to jump on the tech. We need to jump on crypto. And I agree. But at the same time, we need to still not lose sight of that. We need to still grab hold of the, the old school stuff. We yeah. still need to have real estate and regular businesses in real life, we're still far away from, from doing that right. Still got to do that stuff, man. But it's cool to see. Although I saw somewhere somebody, they were saying that uh, black folks are leading the way when it comes to crypto as far as invested in it. I don't know if that's really investing or just speculating and buying it. But I got to read the article before I, I um, speculate myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you had a tweet. Now, actually, I saw a tweet from Ashley Johnson, Chris Johnson, Wealth Squad, Chris Johnson's sister, Ashley Johnson. She had a tweet and you retweeted it too, saying, imagine not wanting to own something because of taxes or insurance. What is wrong with people? Mm. She said, well, WTF is wrong with people, but get the idea. Yeah. It's funny because she posted something about owning a house paid in, paid in, paid in full. And I want to say that um, somebody was like, well, you, you never really own it because you still got to pay taxes and you, you still got to pay insurance. <laughs> and like, that's pretty common statement that people bring up. They say things like that to kind of just dismiss the idea. It's kind of like when people say, oh, why would you want to make a bunch of money when you got to pay taxes? They used to say that to Chris a lot. And the interesting thing about it is you got to pay taxes whether the home is paid off or not, you don't get a break from paying taxes because the home is paid off. You don't get a pay a break from paying taxes because um, you rent. You're still paying property taxes, even if you rent. The thing is, we want to intelligently put things in place to take care of our expenses. That's what financial independence is. Financial independence is not that you don't have expenses, it's that you have things that take care of your expenses without you exchanging time for them. So when you do get into that situation, and me and Chris talked about this, where you have a paid off house. Okay, great. Now, I also have these municipal, municipal bonds or these dividends that take care of the insurance and the taxes. Wealthy people don't choose to not be wealthy because of all the things that come with being wealthy. That's what poor people do. Poor people re- refuse to be wealthy because they're like, well, then I got to do this and then I got to do that. I was talking, I forgot where I was, <clears throat> but I was at a meeting and there was a lady who was saying that you go to Skid Row and you think it's just going to be a bunch of derelicts, but really it's just a bunch of like lawyers and doctors who like, they just got tired of trying to have to do all that stuff. They're like, uh, I don't think I want to pay taxes. I don't think I want to do those different things. And so then it becomes a choice and that's okay if that's what you choose to do, but you don't get to bash somebody else who has aspirations to do things differently just because if you're afraid, just because of your fear. And that's what I see a lot is I see a lot of people who are just like hating with intelligence and so they'll hate on your goals, but they'll say like it in an intelligent way. 
what about taxes? What about this? What about that? Like, it's just, it's lame, man. It is lame because, like you said, even if you rent and you, you're still paying the taxes, man, you're still paying the taxes. It's just baked into the rent. And then you don't get anything back in the end anyway. Exactly. The price just keeps going up every year. And I don't know, man. It's like people just want to rationalize their situation. And plus, I think or, a lot of mm-hmm. Or their lack of ambition. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is like, you know, people don't want to have to work like the responsibility that comes with the wealth or the asset itself is all put into people like, you know, I don't want to be responsible for anything. I don't want to work once I got the asset. Like the idea is I want to have passive income. It's so it's so tempting and sexy to people because they don't want to work after they get the asset. Like, what do you mean? I get the house and now I got to maintain the house. I got to clean the house. I got to pay the bills. I got to make sure it stays fit. It stays in good condition. I got to fix things when it break. I don't want to do all that. I did all. I'm supposed to be doing this so I don't have to work. Mm. You know, and even if it's just using the money, I'm, I'm running like, even if you're not doing the physical work, running the staff is work. Thinking is work. And they don't want to even do that. So I think it's part of that too, man. I think that the sad part is that the work grows you, bro. And so there's a lot of people who don't want to work and they don't realize like that's the that's the win. The win is this. I feel so much better after I give like a long day of work than I do when I'm just like chilling, doing nothing. And so that's why I run to the work. That's why I appreciate the work. That's why I enjoy doing those crazy things. For example, when I did D.C. and then I did Dallas, a lot of people, they're like, man, that's too much. I couldn't do all that. I'm like, well, that's just a story I get to tell my son now. I get to brag about the stuff that I did that was dope. I'd rather do a lot of stuff than sit at home talking about what's too much. People be like, do you sleep? No, I'm getting it. I got to go. I'd be up grinding. I'd be up late, up early grinding because why not? It's like people say they act like we get a do over at this life thing. They act like you get to be 35 twice. They act like you get to be 34 twice. Like you get to be 42 twice. No. You get one shot at this. This day will never, ever come again. So I need to maximize this day. I'll never get to do this again. Why would I give it away? Why would I punt it away? Why would I just not take full advantage of this day? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, And doing the work gives you the capacity for doing the work. It's like doing the work makes you capable of doing the work. Like It's like lifting weights. Like you look at... <laughs> That barbell and there's like 200 pounds on it, 300 pounds on it. It's like, whoa, in a way you get there. But doing more than you can, than you think you can is what builds the muscle to do more than you think you can. Exactly. Like, you know, doing the work makes you capable of doing the work. So what's what might look to other people like a lot of work isn't really a lot of work for you after a while. Like it's like Brian Tracy says, it's like the way to improve is you try to do your best one day. Like you 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 look at what's the best I ever did. Like let's say I did somehow five sales today. You don't look at your average, you look at your best day and you say, All right, that's my new standard. I'm gonna try to beat my beat my new standard tomorrow or today, mm-hmm. whatever. Then when you get that, then you're capable to do more. Then next thing you look up, you're doing 10 sales a day. And it's and it's easier and, and it's easier for you to do those 10 sales than it used to be to do the five because you built that muscle. Doing the work makes it easier to do the work. Now you said working with family is hard, but so is working for someone else's family. Yeah. So we uh walked into my office and it was kind of surreal. It's the second time my mom's worked in my office, and she actually closed her office. 
And I've always just been really big on, on family business. I've always talked about like the power of like the father and son combo, but my dad just don't want to work. So maybe it's going to be the father and mom combo and we're going to run it up. And it's just cool because we're so much alike. My mom and I are alike. I tell people that like, if you think that I'm this way, my mom is like 10 times this, or at least twice this, or at least <laughs> we're the same. And, and an example of that is I told her, I was like, Hey, there's some condos for sale in this building over here in, in Ontario. And she was like, let's go check them out. And I was like, let's do it. Like other people would be like, oh, we'll give them a call. Oh, we'll wait. She's like, let's go do it. So we went and we checked them out today. And when you do these things, you grow. When you have that conversation, when you grow, when you go see an office with a balcony, it blows your mind. You see what's possible. When you see the potential of us having our own office with our own kitchen, with our own shower that we own on the third floor of this building, the top floor, that is powerful. And then you start strategizing ways to get it done. And so that being said, when we first got to this office, I had to set up how I liked it. I was like, this is how I like my office. And she just starts moving stuff around. She's like, ah, I got to get this over here. We're going to do this. We're going to put these shirts. I was like, I like those shirts there. And so I was like, <laughs> I was kind of frustrated a little bit. I was like, man, like, is this how it's going to be all the time? But then we kind of settled in and then we went to lunch. We had a good conversation over lunch and we did all these different things. And I realized like a lot of people, their response to like doing business with family is like, I can't do business with family. I can't do business with him because blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And then they'll go work with people they despise. They'll mm. work with people that cannot stand. They'll work under people they cannot stand. And they'll also work for another family because every business I've worked for over the last four or five years was a family business, meaning that the son ran the day-to-day and the dad just kind of showed up to observe. The last few firms that I worked in were just like that. The family office was just like that. The law firm was just like that. Um, he just came by to observe. It was a family business. And it's like, you can either work for your family or for somebody else's family, pick one. But you're going to have to figure out how to interact. You got to figure out how to do all these different things. But there's so much power when you bring it under the same roof. And you start bouncing ideas off each other. And you have powerful energy that comes together. And you have focused energy that comes together. Because my mom thinks the things that I don't think about. My mom thinks about, but I get to benefit from that thought. It's not like they think about it and they go off and they run off and they execute it with their family. And I just get to like celebrate their success, celebrate their new house, celebrate their new that. No, like my life wins. As I improve, everybody around me's life improves. Literally, it's the truth. And so what I'm saying is that it's worth the investment. And it's not even just an Asian or an Israeli thing. The Hawkins family, it's a family business. And that's why it wins. Because if I pay somebody to do some work, they just going to kind of do the work. But if my mom has me help her build her business, I'm going to go all the way in it. And there is value in getting access to somebody at a fraction for what somebody else would do for you. So for example, like Asian businesses, they have their family run the business. They staff the business. They work the register. They cook. They clean. They do all these different things. Because in the beginning of the business, you can't be throwing all the business out the door at salaries. No, you got to keep it in the business to grow the business. And so the family might punt that salary for a little while. They might just say like, nah, I'm not going to get paid. And so that allows the business to stay afloat. And that also allows you to get massive value because they're going to be giving you the true value as opposed to a fraction of the value. We're talking about how a lot of these VAs these days, they're, they're making so much money because they're stacking clients. And so they're going to bill you for an hour, but they're also billing somebody else for that same hour and somebody else for that same hour. So you're not getting them for the full hour. 
You're getting them for a fraction of the hour and they just live in the dream. They're like, we good over here, but I'm not paying you. If I'm paying you for an hour, I need that hour. I don't need you to just be like, I did this task and you took 10 minutes to do the task. Like that's not, that's not how we doing it. And that's why I don't got a VA right now. And we still be living. I don't even know if I want to hire a VA right now. I'm just kind of dismayed from hiring people in general. Um, unless they family, that's where I'm at in, in my professional career, Raphael, I've tried it multiple ways. The first year I was like, I want employees. I got a bunch of employees. I didn't really pay them as much as I should have. And so they left. I was like this year, I'm getting highly paid employees. I paid my employees highly. They still fucking left. And so now I'm like, I don't want none of y'all motherfuckers. I don't want nobody that's not my family associated with my business anymore because, because my family can't walk away. My family can't steal my ideas. What you going to do? Steal my idea and go to the kitchen. We talked about this before on here. Nakia can't steal my ideas. She wouldn't even be interested in stealing my ideas. But you can. we can all acknowledge that Charles has been robbed on the timeline. We can all acknowledge that people have gone off and created a, a duplicate of what I've created. I'm not letting that happen anymore because I still got ideas. I still got genius inside of me. I still have more things inside of me. And so I'm not going to let anybody just take it from me anymore. I'm keeping it all in the family because if we're going to build the wealth, we're going to build the family wealth. The last thing I'm going to say on this topic is the LeVar Ball thing. He talks about how you have five fingers and they all go different ways. We have a son going this way, other son going this way, him going this way, him going this way. He's like, we'll all be millionaires. We'll be all right. I don't want to be all right. I want to be the Walton family. Mm. I want to be the family because the family is just an amplifier. And the crazy part about it, Raphael, is it's common sense. We all know that we would have it easier if they actually helped. The dads who didn't help knew they would have that you would have it easier. They didn't want to make it easy on you on purpose. This shit is not rocket science. If I'm working and I'm grinding and you're working and you can help me get a little bit further, my life is going to be easier. But we don't want that for each other because there's a little bit of self-hate in there. There's a little bit of like resentment for how you were treated, but that's not how you do it. You don't be a bad father because you're, you had a bad father. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what the prior generation did. And that's what the prior generation is going to have to live with the results of because a lot of them are getting older and a lot of them are going to be getting treated how they were treated. And so if it ain't family, man, it ain't nothing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to touch on this. We're going to touch on this last tweet you said, and I saw this come up during um, your live uh, recording of your other podcast, Mister Professional Podcaster. Um, you were talking to Mister Savage Finance, not with me, Savage Real Estate Guy Investor, and you you said after you have a child, you stop scoreboard watching. What yeah, does that man. mean? What I mean is that I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. And part of it is that uh, Gumroad doesn't let you be satisfied because they reset the numbers every single day. But I'm never really looking at like the total number. I'm always just kind of like doing what I got. It's the weirdest thing where I wouldn't say it's not necessarily scoreboard watching, but I think it's it's kind of like I'm not comparing myself to my peers anymore. So I'm not measuring my success based on where I am compared to whoever else. I'm just beast mode all day, every day. I don't even know how much they get paid. I don't care. I'm just going hard in the paint every single day where before then, before having a son, the only people that were really there that like were relevant to your life were like your friend's family. But what's interesting is I was riding around with my mom and she was riding around with me and she's like, man, like, this is interesting. It's like, I'm being chauffeured by my son and he has these different cars. He's doing these different things. I'm at his office. And I was like, the only thing that changed is I'm responsible for a human being for real. This ain't for fake. Like my whole life, I've never had a child, Raphael. And so I've always been mm -hmm. like a child. And so like, if you don't have a child, then you're still kind of a child. 
to your parents. And so you can kind of shrink yourself. And sometimes when you're around your parents, if you don't have kids, you can shrink yourself. We were talking about that even with my my great my uncle. My uncle was living with my grandfather recently because he's like on disability and everything. And then my great my grandfather had to go to a disability home or to a, a, a home. And then my uncle had to go to his own place. And like now he's a man again because he's not living under his dad because Sandy was expensive. And so like even at that age, if you're living under somebody else, you can still shrink yourself. And quite honestly, sometimes your parents can shrink themselves. They cannot fully expand as far as they are because they're kind of reaching back and holding you and pulling you up and kind of lofting you in this little thing. And so they can't even reach their full potential. And so what I'm saying is that just my mindset on everything changed where I, I, it's, there's no stop anymore because I never know what's going to happen. I never know what he's going to need. And I don't want to have to say no to him. I don't want to say we can't afford it. We can't do that. I'm sorry. I don't want to disappoint him because he didn't ask for that. He didn't ask to come into this world of lack. He shouldn't have to, to suffer mm. and struggle. He shouldn't have to not be able to experience things, not go to certain camps, not be able to get certain clothes he might want, certain video games he might want, whatever. I want to make sure that he has afforded every single opportunity that he deserves to uh, to experience because, like I said, he didn't ask to be here. We brought him here. And so he shouldn't struggle or suffer. Yes. Yeah, so you've told about this before on the podcast. Like once you had the son, like what other people thought of you, too, also didn't matter anymore. Like the most freeing feeling, feeling ever, man. Yeah. Because it's like, man. Kids eat food. They don't eat. They don't eat excuses. <laughs> they don't eat feelings. They don't like you got you got somebody that you got to take care of. You got to take care of them. And that's the bottom line. Like, all that other stuff goes out the window. But you're going to wrap this up. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow my partner Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and also at Todd.Capital. That's Todd with two D's. Follow us, of course, on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. Follow my guy Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion, because it's only one. Follow myself on Twitter, Raphael, at Work Money Life. I'm going to leave you with one last thought from Charles Entrepreneurship, because motherfuckers never loved us. And also, approval is ghetto. For episode 117 of Tweet Talk, the Black Love Podcast, this is your host, Raphael, along with my co host, Charles. We are out. Yes, this is Donald, the voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.